0: Welcome to the Dangerous Man Podcast, where we talk about how to become a better man, take responsibility for our mission, create value for others, and the many failures and lessons we've learned along the way. Stay dangerous. Up everybody! This is your host John Castoris and I'm joined by special guest Daniel Jengdal. What's up, Danny? Thanks for having me on, John. Dude, absolutely! You're listening to the Dangerous Man podcast once again. Adam is on his business trip right now. He's down there in the Houston of Texas, so bringing some guests on to hang with me today. Well, we're just having a conversation, Danny and I, that I think was is worth picking up we were basically just ranting about raising prices in business when, and uh, well, why don't you just tell us what you're saying? So essentially you fire your old
1: clients and this is only necessary if you need new clients essentially, but generally in business, you start to tear up so you do higher quality projects and whatnot. And from my experience, old clients don't want to pay the price of your higher tier but they want your higher tier essentially right so you just let them know the price and essentially they're like uh I can't afford that <laughs> and so you stop doing work with them by it's just simply that and so that, that's essentially how you fire them exactly because it's <laughs> like so I do video work and you know the bottom tier I mean you could do 200 dollars I mean, I'm sure you could do even cheaper if you try But it's yeah. just like maybe seeing your photos for a hundred dollars is like your bottom, your bottom tier. But it just it's like when you start doing thousands and thousands of dollars per project, it's like I should focus all my time on that and not the two hundred dollar yeah. projects. And so essentially you can fire your clients by just raising your prices because it's like that project per se might still be maybe worth $200. Although I would argue it's worth a lot more. If it, if you really calculate your time, your tools, and your travel and taxes and inflation, you know, in the course of two years, it's probably worth $400, right? But people find it hard to pay more for the exact same thing. Although they keep doing that with their groceries and gas. So, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe they do, you know. But
0: going to Whole Foods,
1: yeah. And so, but my thing is, one, you don't want to grow resentful towards your clients by undercharging, but you, you know, it, it feels rude to like charge more or whatnot because <laughs> yeah. they've been getting it for that. But essentially, I mean, you just got to be honest. Like, inflation's killing us, <laughs> and X, Y, and Z, whatever. You know, you just we're looking to
0: grow our business now. Yeah, you let them know, and it's like we're moving into like, bigger things.
1: Most people take it positively, and if you know they get mad at you, it's like, well, maybe they're not the best client. So,
0: right. I Think like Alex hermosi was talking about. Basically, he had a podcast episode where he was saying eighty percent of your customers will bankrupt you. And yeah. What they what what they did was. There's this, um, I guess there's this bigger portfolio company where they they invest in companies and they help kind of grow companies and and so people will kind of partner with them to help them scale and get bigger. Yep. It's kind of what Alex is doing. Um, pretty much essentially. But they're like, you know, they do like fifty billion like <laughs> a year. <laughs> like they're just yeah. they're up there. They're one of the big the big players. And, yep. and he was basically saying what they do is they take They'll take a business when they acquire them and they'll immediately um, like do data analytics and basically be like, how much um, does every customer ever, had has every customer ever spent with them ever in the whole history of the company? Whoa. And they pull all that into all those spreadsheets, all that data into spreadsheet and they essentially take the top 20% of, of customers that have spent the most with them. So if you sorted it by cost of how much has each customer essentially have you gotten from them, they only take the top 20% customers and they essentially, um, one way they do that is they throw a survey out over time of all the customers that are not as much ones that have been customers, but people that are active customers with them, they'll throw surveys out and these are, Thoughtful, strategic questions that they want in they, that give them a lot of insight to how they're going to structure their business. They basically, they're, they're what they're saying is a lot of our, our business has happened with these customers by accident. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of just existed and they stumbled upon us. Yep. But we want to take steps on making everything we do intentionally, purposeful yeah. and yeah. intentional. Yeah. And so they basically would, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the questions they would ask them, but, um, you know, it was like, how much money do you, so say it was like a B2B, business to business. So your business sells to other businesses and helps serve other businesses. Um, and it was like, you know, how much is each of these, do each of these businesses that you work with, how much do they make a year? What's their, what's their average client? What's their average customer? And in the, you know, in the case of Alex working with his, with his old company, Gym Launch, they they found, like, if there were customers that were making, uh, these people that were doing startup gyms, and and Alex would help take startup gyms and help them grow. And these gym owners, if they were making, like, if they had less than, like, 10, 30 clients, I think it was, 30 people coming to the gym. Yeah. um And if it was, like, money-wise, if they were making, like, less than 10 or 10K or more, essentially, like, what I'm getting at is there were some themes coming back from the survey data and even just from their own like analytics from customers and clients that have bought with them over the years. Yep. And they could see that actually we made the most money um, off of these types of overlapping themes, you know, 30 customers or more, 10K or more a month and, you know, certain types of some certain types of stats, but what gets inter- what it gets interesting back to this into the story is taking the top twenty percent, right? And it was basically like take all of the themes from the survey, all of the answers, and basically only keep the customers that had some kind of overlap with other customers, same yeah. answers, similar answers. Yeah. And what they would find was there were themes that there would be a specific kind of person. And they would see the theme over and over again with so many different clients. And what they realized is like, those were the ones actually really funding the company and really like making them profitable was these specific types of people with these specific needs. And so it's like, I could offer 20 solutions to a customer, Yep. but then I have to have 20 or I could like help 20 problems, but that, or 20 different types of people, you know, for instance, in your photography, it's like, you know, I could do like senior pictures and I could do, um, you know, I could work with like small businesses helping do videos for their website page. And I could also do like weddings and I could do, you know, insert any type of video that yeah. you get paid for really yep. is what I'm getting at. And all of a sudden it's like, well, then you have to be able to have the clientele to make those videos for varying different types of of customers with different needs and different visions. Yeah. And you need they're staff very and different they're very different. <laughs> very but, different. But what if all of your customers overlapped and were basically identical with, with their needs and with the type of content you made them? And so you could just take make one single type of video but spam it yeah. on repeat and just do that thing better than anyone else. Like, that's, you would <laughs> the same efforts would multiply. Like like you would have to you know, the same effort to basically service 10 people with a video would be the same as if you serviced, like, 100 or 1,000. Like, maybe you, sure, you get a couple more editors. Yeah. But, like, you can just kind of pump out a model of how you, how you work. Yeah. Because the, the need is always the same. The, the solution's always the same. And so that's basically what they did with these, these companies is the top 20% were basically the same types of things, and they also were the ones putting the most money out. So they're like, let's just take all of our effort and time energy resources and pour into finding these types of people in the top 20% here. But also these are the types of people that have money.
1: Yep. <laughs> so it's like, let's <laughs> not waste
0: time with these people that are the lower 80% Well, this the reason that the reason the headline is they'll 80% of your customers will bankrupt you. It's because you know this is where you you know lean in and listen. Why why John? why John? Why? Why John? It's it's because Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You have to ask me these questions. Yeah. The reason is because they will continue to nag you and be like, this isn't right. I need this, solve this problem. Oh, yep. or like you'll you'll have so many different customer service requests from a million directions. Yep. And they're not even the ones paying you the most money. Exactly. <laughs> so you now have to serve and scratch their butt and keep them happy. Whereas if you just raised your prices, changed all of your messaging. Oh, yeah, this is the next part. This is what the, the solution was. They, they changed all their messaging to that one top 20% customer type to serve that one person's needs, that one problem, um, you know, all the things. They basically just shifted. I'm going to write directly to the top 20% and only talk about them and their needs. And all of a sudden you'd see so much that 80% fizzle away because all of a sudden it's not relevant to them anymore. Yep. But also that 20% magnetizes towards you. And you get more of those types of people. And that's how they'd grow and scale these businesses.
1: Man, it's funny because it's so relatable. It's (laughs) like um, a a good example would be I quoted a friend for uh, wedding photography for $2,500. And they're like, oh, it's so expensive. And, you know, I'm like, okay, we'll we'll give you, you know, a friend's family discount for it was like 10% off or. 15% Fifteen percent off, something like that, you know. Yeah, it's funny because they're like, "Oh, well, we got to look around, you know, and like see if we find something else that's better." Essentially, I'm like, all right, <clears throat> do your due diligence. I already know though, you're not getting anything as good as me <laughs> for over three grand. And I was like, man, maybe I should charge three grand because I know I can take good stuff too. But oh yeah, you know, so it's like people are like super hesitant to to purchase. At that but then I I had a school project where it was just creating one video, and the project was um I don't want to say almost seven grand, and they didn't care like
0: <laughs> you just dropped the price and like
1: cool yeah they they were like um like we don't really care you know how much it costs it's more so they cared about like legal elements of like the mm. contracts and stuff they were more like hesitant about contracts than they were about the actual price like we, we initially were going to do I think it was about $4,500 for a single day of production although well, rates have gone up now but the um <laughs> we going after
0: the 20% <laughs> baby
1: they they realized um they they were going to need a second day of production and yeah I was like oh um all right I'll send you the updated um like uh proposal essentially to see if you know, that it would be within their budget or whatnot. They, they even like second guess. They're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we need a second day. How much? Great. Let's do it. Yeah. What? Like just, <laughs> I just you know, charged you a whole other day. Of proposal. Production. It's like, wow, geez, that was, that was a lot of money. No one, I mean, it's not a lot of money, but that's but what I'm talking about. For like, abundance you know, mindset, when, when it's your when it's the first time you've quoted something like that you're like wow i can't believe someone's paying us that much money to <laughs> do something you know oh yeah but it's so exciting and so what's funny is because i i did the math off of what my um mentors have been teaching me and i was like man i still under it should have been a 10k project minimum for like one day but <laughs> it, it, when you're shifting out of your mindset of being a freelancer to running a business, you have to look at other expenses and not just like, all right, if I have another gig, you know, I can go another month. <laughs> it's like yeah. it shifts into being like uh,
0: more profit of a profit margin. And yeah, yeah. Things that like, actually help you do big things and grow and survive and
1: thrive and like function healthily and then not be like stressed standards. 24-7. Yeah. Cause you're just cutting yourself short on every, every line. So, but yeah, I was just amazed that like the, Dang. the $2,500 project was so, yeah. so egregious and, you know, hard and it's like, you, you know, I understand. Cause I'm like, you know, it's a lot of money and when you're getting married, it feels like a lot, you know, but it's like mm-hmm. the, the quality of clients is definitely higher on the higher end spectrum. And so to target that, and I mean, we, that's a much better margin too, as well. It's like you, and it was only two days of work. And whereas, I mean, the wedding one will be one day of work, but I hired an editor to edit that as well. So, but for two days of work, it was, was much better. So. Wow. But yeah, that's the hope. So what you're saying though about like finding those people who specifically are, I think it's part of the niching down and not trying to do everything because initially that's what I was taught. So that's what I was doing. I'd shoot weddings, I'd shoot real estate, I'd shoot um, commercials, nonprofits. I'd shoot, um, trying to think of any other options. There's, there's a lot, just a lot yeah. of different things you shoot. Weddings, uh I mean, wedding photography, cool stuff. wedding videography, variety, uh, travel videos. Um and it, it's it's I, I don't blame people because it's what's on YouTube and that's kind of what was taught. But essentially it's the opposite advice. You pick one type of niche that you want to do. So my niche right now is schools and I I only target schools now. So and oh, wow. The reason for that, like, I'll I'll take on a project from someone else, but essentially, I I only target schools for my outreach. Like, I'm not reaching for weddings for like
0: lead acquisition.
1: Yeah, I got rid of my wedding website actually, which hurt my heart, John, because you helped design literally, yeah. all of it. I want to say it hurt. <laughs>
0: it really did. I know. It it looks great. It was it was fresh. You kept the heart and soul of it for your uh, your new one though. Yeah, I so. ke- I kept the flow because it. I like the
1: flow, of it's still was still a good flow, but but yeah. So I stopped targeting everyone else, and because you're just so dependent upon any job that came in. But it was like it made no sense because for the real estate, it'd be like a fifty dollar photo shoot. And you have to drive somewhere. <laughs> like oh, it's only in an hour of taking pictures, but like. The amount of time to charge the batteries, pack the camera bag, load the car, drive half an hour to an hour out to a place. Wow. Shoot the property and then head In the back and head home. <laughs> you know, upload the pictures to the site. The site never works. So I'd end up having to use Google Drive anyways. And then wait till the drive upload is done to send it over. And yeah. it just was like, wow. What a investment for half a day's work actually for fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. (laughs) Oh my gosh! And then it's it's your self you're you're self employed, so the taxes are even higher thirty forty percent on you. And now people be like, "Well, you can write off the mileage or whatever." Oh well, I do plan on doing that. We do that anyways. We're getting paid fifty bucks, but it's like, let's be honest, guys. This is this is a loss. Like big fat L you know the only person who wins here is the realtor who paid $190 but he probably doesn't even value it because it's $190 so it's like wow. you know so the only way you could do it successfully is if you were shooting you know loads of properties so you'd have to be driving to a property to property but that work is very rushed then and I don't, I don't like rush work but like I have yeah. some urgency but like I just I want to do my job well and like make it fresh and good and something worthy of it. And it's like the opposite. It's like we want that talent, but you have to do it as fast as possible because we're paying you so little to.
0: That's actually a fascinating concept because I know even when I was in school doing audio engineering, it was like, they're like, what makes a professional? And like, you're really good and you're really fast. It's like, I would agree with that generally. But it's interesting because most places you get, it just gets super competitive. People get super fast and they're just loading in projects. They're loading as much work as they can. That's how they make more money. Is they just do more in less more. time. Yep. It's like I could, yeah, I could do like a similar equivalent of work, but it would take me 32 hours in the studio or take him, my instructor, four hours, you know. But it's like, I don't think a lot of them realize too that what if I could take, might take a little bit more time and do this super well? niche down and only help certain types of musicians, but then charge a premium because I just, there's no one better than me in that. It's space. Yeah. Like this is literally, um, there's an audio engineer that I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's a, oh yeah, Chris Lord Allergy, CLA, big guy. He's mixed like Green Day and almost every like punk rock type thing you could think of, or even just rock. He's done it. And he's got like his sound, his vibe you pay him to mix your song in his way but you pay him a crap ton yep and he does it at once and then you have to pay a ton to have a redo yeah but it's like you know what you're getting you know what i mean yep first try it's already oh, like yeah. perfection the guy's got like gear that's he's got the external like compressors and equalizers just which is basically fancy speak for very fancy lovely tools and gear that we use in audio as engineers to shape sound just like my voice is being shaped right now exactly to make it sound smooth and awesome and great and whatever you would need so at any rate badly. he has certain compressors um that are the knobs are glued in place mm-hmm. he's like he's like if i want that sound and that those effects i don't walk over the compressor and adjust the knobs yeah it's like i just have a cable and I plug into my into my studio, to put it simply. And then that has literally, like, that's where the mic is coming from, is this cable. And I can plug this little patch cable into, you know, there's like a hundred yeah. different little mic inputs. It's called the patch bay. I can just plug in microphone number three into, you know, however many patch bay, like a hundred different inputs. Yeah. And I literally a different piece of gear is in a different input. And then it automatically comes, I have to patch it back in. Man, but it, you can basically send a signal to and from like a piece of hardware. Yep. And so he just have like a wall patches. of of these compressors and EQs set, and then he just patches into the one he wants the sound for. Man. He, it's just like I mean, obviously that's a lot of oh. money, but it's yeah, also yeah. like he has a workflow, you know. Yep. But anyways, this idea of I I t- I tangent a little bit, but it's an interesting story because that's kind of where I first learned about like you would be fast, but I think it's interesting because you think. Like we're going to see an aspect of business where it's like you don't necessarily have to be fast, but you just have to be like, you know, do really great work and have good strategy yep. and take on the right people.
1: Man, it, it reminded me of um uh, another friend I have who is a real estate photographer full time. And he was saying the first house he photographed, he photographed it for $400. I was like, wow, that's double the starting price that the guys I had been with. That wow. started at, and you know, what's funny is because he he has now the best camera equipment. He does the highest quality properties, and he's on the like complete off spectrum of being on versus the lowest like tier wow. and whatnot. He said it took him two months to break six figures, which well, I know a lot of guys want to hit six figures. It's the it's the qualifier apparently. It's the but, first
0: monthly number,
1: yeah, it's the first number that everyone thinks of. So yeah but, but essentially, by doing the highest and tier and whatnot he he can spend the same amount of time at a property but make double or triple or quadruple as well as then he has the freedom to buy the nicest
0: tools, which will wow. produce even better work although that makes you. Know, available to the right types of people. Yeah. Liars. They're like, well, you have this gear, you produce these results. Yeah. Therefore, you're the guy.
1: And allowed him to solve the other problem, which is gas. He he was making enough, he could just buy a Tesla and Whoa. just electricity. He said he was spending over eighty dollars a day on gas. Then he bought a Tesla. <laughs> and it's like ten bucks a day, I think he said that he <laughs> spends on electricity. Here, let me do some math. Yeah. That's if you're crazy. spending eighty bucks a day on gas in 31 days, that's almost $2,500, which is a pretty much a payment for a Lamborghini Huracan on gas. <laughs> so, so he could lease a Lamborghini. Yeah. That. So then that's about 300 to 400 bucks on electricity spends now on that. <clears throat> Not yeah. that I'm the most Tesla guy out there, but uh, it's a creative, it's kind of remarkable awesome solution. Now, he did spend, you know, a lot of money on the car, so. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I'd rather spend the money on a car than gas, so.
0: Absolutely. Well, this has been a lovely intro. Intro, yes. Two highly <laughs> longer intro. <laughs> no, I love it, though, because um, I'm just realizing, like, I love sharing topics I have on mind, but Peter... Uh, who was on the show earlier, which is actually Danny's brother. Uh, we're going to get into a bit of Danny and his backstory here. Um, but we realized that it's just, it's, it's nice to just um, kind of have a conversation. And it's like we, him and me are both the type of people. It's like, here's a topic. What's a story on the topic? And I'd be like, Ugh. it's like, start talking. And then realize we have like a hundred stories we could bring up in the moment. Like, we're, he's really great at that I'm really great at that uh, put me in the spot and I you know it's yeah. like oh play a song on the guitar for me John <laughs> but then all of a sudden I'll just be in the background jamming and like I'm playing 50 different things time. and it's like yeah. it's just kind of ha- that's how it works but um, yeah and obviously uh, Danny's a friend this is not obvious to our listeners but Danny's a great friend of mine we grew up together um, out of high school we also uh, were roommates for a couple of years which was great was some times. Good years. I'm a huge audio guy. That's that's my cup of tea, you that's could say. That's why the podcast sounds so good. <laughs> Thank you. But it's true. It's because I have a couple skills. Yeah. And uh, Danny is a huge video guy. And so naturally, we've only gotten better friends as we've gotten older <laughs> because they, they, they link both, so well together. Oh, yeah. We're just both gear nerds, too. <laughs> 100%. Proud of it. The video
1: didn't work out this this night for our podcast though. So Oh,
0: you you know once we start doing video for this, you're gonna help us build the system out. It'll be good.
1: Although we're gonna have to have someone like do live switching because
0: otherwise it's gonna be hours and hours to Yeah. (laughs) At that point we'll we'll have a studio and you know yeah it'll be all hundred percent. It'll be all great. It's coming though. And and this is actually like one thing that uh Danny's one of the original guys that got me inspired for the podcast, it was like the early steps, but it was like the, you know, there has to be something that leads to the other thing, you know, to the other thing. This is not like what came first, a chicken or the egg. Maybe it was actually, but it's, it's like Danny was essentially like really wants to get the message out of hope, get the message out of growing and becoming a better man. And I'd love for you just to kind of tell a bit of your story, even going back to high school. Um, some of our, Heart our listeners break. have heard our Knights of the Immaculata and oh, yeah, some was, of your uh, your travel excursion <laughs> escape plans. If that, if you know what oh, I'm trying yeah. to say through that, and uh, kind of through where the transformation happened to over time, a little bit of your your story with that, and and uh, you guys can listen and kind of see how this really has contributed into impacting me and my story too, and and kind of our the heart we have for wanting to grow um, and share that with people. So, yeah. yeah and where to start
1: i think growing up baby and like so so me and john we grew up we we're probably two miles away from
0: where our families
1: live although initially it was like a mile and a half that my family moved again but um i grew up in the big community that we have here which is community Christ redeemer and there's a lot of families in general that we're linked up through but same youth group. This is associated through our church. Yeah. Same, uh, through a church as well. And then, um, yeah, I, w- I would say that was probably the the main base, but I remember, um, when I was a young child, there was this girl that I really liked. I almost don't want to say her name just for the sake of yeah, my <laughs> <it> uh, <laughs> Essentially I liked her a lot. And, you know, I, Email was the big thing back then. So I sent her an email, you know, I was like, Do you like me? And I got a reply, <laughs> I like you. Do you like me? <laughs> ooh, ooh. Nice and direct. I love it. This went on for like a month where it was like, Wow, we're going to get married. We're going to have 10 kids. We're going to, this could be great. I was planning on uh, electrical engineering. I was like, I'm going to be an electrical engineer. We're going to get married. This could be great. And at the end of the month, it was like, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I was like, no. And that's what she said to you. Whole, whole, yeah, yeah, she didn't like me back. And crushing my whole world was exploded. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to run away. This <laughs> was good logic, you know. There's a book, it's called My Side of the Mountain. It's a great book. Every kid should read it, every boy, I think, should read it because it's, it's just a great book. But essentially, the book, this boy runs away from the city to go live in the mountains and live off the wild, essentially. And he does it. He runs away. He lives off the mountain. He gets a peregrine falcon. He tames, uh, Help catch rabbits and whatnot. Learns to set traps to catch small game. And he built a home inside of a tree and lived out of it. I have a big imagination, so I took this book as, like, literal, as, like, this is totally possible. Right. <laughs> and so this was my dream. I was like, man, so on my birthday list, I put things that I would need to run away. And I actually got some. <laughs> it was wow. a who's a pup tent. I need a pup tent because uh, how else was I going to, like, you know, be in the wilderness for, you know. A while I was like I had my bike I was planning on riding my bike there I wanted to go to the redwood tree forest because those were the biggest trees that you could probably build a home out of although I had zero That's in California right yeah yeah in Cal- wow. <laughs> I had wow. a zero zero physical to actually make that you know, happen but the imagination overlooks some things sometimes when you're 13 14 15 so right. and then um I I wanted a camouflage tarp so I could hide in the forest as I was biking there, so people couldn't see my tent. It would be camouflaged. At least that was the thought. Smart. Oh, I forgot that like
0: half of be you know the route there everything. is
1: like desert and it's not actually you know forest and whatnot. So, and then um,
0: that make the bike ride a little interesting.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I'd throw sand on it. Maybe that would that would help. But essentially, I didn't get a chance to run away. I think it was the 16th birthday or 15, 15 or 16,
0: probably 16,
1: somewhere, somewhere in there because because I had been planning my runaway for a while and, uh, I didn't get a runaway. So a group of guys started this group called Knights of the Immaculata, <laughs> intro to Mr. Junk over here. Yes. And we'd essentially, we'd wake up early, go to adoration, go for daily mass. We'd go for a jog. Uh, at church, essentially. At, at church. And... Uh, man, it was one of the best summers of my life. I, um, I grew a lot that summer. I, um, I had started swimming in high school as well. So I started to get some like physical shape. So I wasn't such a like weekly, yeah. I mean, I still, I'm still tiny compared to a lot of guys. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta work. I got some work at the gym. But, um, that summer, I I would yeah, say really, right. really changed my life in a lot of ways. And so it was kind of cool because it was, spiritual formation first i think i would say with some physical but essentially spiritual formation which i think is probably the most important cuz essentially nothing works unless you have moral people so like mm. if people aren't honest if people aren't selfless if people aren't you know it, it's very hard to make anything else grow if you don't have that first and so that's why i think it's the most important but i, I want to say uh, so I did uh, mission work with Net Ministries um, when I was 18. And then when I got off the road and I was back to college to, you know, go get a job. And I have to say, it was one of the most depressing transitions of my life was going from doing retreats all over the country. We went to 32, 33 different states uh, Dang. to having people like global warming is going to kill us all. It just, it was, it was a serious like decline in doing cool things and whatnot. (laughs) And so, and then also I had forgot all the math from my previous college days before I went on net. And so I was like, well, do I really want to redo some math classes to be an electrical engineer? And I was like, no, I hate college. I love learning, but I I hated college. I I really felt like it was not a place to learn, but to be brainwashed and programmed into their cult. Anyways, I have some strong Strong feelings on college.
0: Oh, you came to the right place. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If you're a parent listening, don't send your kids to college. If you want them to lose any faith left, send them to college. That's probably the best, best place to send them. So, yeah. Yeah. So in that regard. I essentially, I want to say I was living with John while I was going to college still. That was actually a great time living with John still. Having good support and whatnot and solid brother is always, always good. And we want to say, let's see here.
0: I want to quickly before yeah, you yeah. move on, I want to go back to what you're saying with Knights of the Immaculata. You were obviously talking about running away and then you mentioned getting involved in this group. but uh, what? What was what's the story with running away there? Think, uh,
1: well, one not feeling like I belonged anywhere. I grew up with a big family, had ten kids. I'm number four. I'm in the middle, and you know the parents. It's it's not their fault. It's just it's just the reality. You have ten kids. You can't give them all loads of quality time. Right. It's 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 just not. It doesn't work like that. And some people decide to have smaller families because of that reason. All I would say. The kid will understand when they grow up. It's just, you do. It's like, I understand. Yeah. You know, and so I There's try... benefits too. I, I try now and spend, you know, some quality time with my parents intentionally and whatnot. I also figured out too, there was nothing stopping me from going into their room and saying hi. <laughs> like, right, you know, it's kind of like that entitlement. You're like, <laughs> if they didn't reach out to me, you know, it's... <sighs> you know, so... So one yeah. just being being initiating, and I realized I was not an initiator whatsoever. So, in that regard, but remind me again where?
0: Yeah, this running away story and oh, how yeah. that resolved and how. So
1: essentially, it was like
0: I'm assuming you middle child, not run away,
1: not feeling like I got any attention, even though I didn't reach out for it. Um, and then um, yeah, the girl of my dreams didn't like me back. So being a single legend was much more desirable path. To pursue, yeah, and maybe meet Cinderella somewhere out there. I don't know what I was thinking.
0: In the redwood forest, exactly.
1: She ran away as well, so it's probably not good wife material if she ran away. But um, the uh, uh nice to make a lot. of gave me a lot of purpose of so things that I could focus on. Which was, hmm, I'm not as good as I thought I, as I thought it was. Hmm. Actually, through this, I could be something that's better. Or, whatnot i feel like too is like a lot of spiritual wound with like not being like back even though it sounds really cliche and stupid right which it is it's, it's stupid but it's like I don't know when you're a kid it just it's it's real everything is so not uh, real to you you know and so um praise god we grow up and we can realize that <laughs> some things aren't as important as you know we thought it was but Essentially, having that group, I would say, gave just a lot of purpose of what I could focus on and what I could do, and use my talents and energy for. And yeah, in that regard. So, wow. And we we made lots of good memories too. So,
0: yeah, I remember, I remember real, me and my buddy who started at Max. We had a lot of uh, vision of just like, oh, what if we got a bunch of guys going for runs and praying together and working out and doing the poker nights and all that and and uh it's just really it's cool hearing it's not just cool it's like i it shook me when dan first told me this it was like oh i was gonna run away and then you guys invited me the timing was like you were like planning within the month or something it was like it was ridiculous i don't know if you remember that no it's like may
1: hit and it was like we started it up because it was all the snow melted finally which was when i was planning on it because of I didn't want to go in the winter because Minnesota, energy. baby, it's freezing yeah. and ice. You don't yeah. bike in the winter, so wow. it, it was some good timing. Though I, I just say it was,
0: yeah. But yeah, what what about like what about an aspect of like having brotherhood, other men in your life that you get to? Uh, you know, brotherhood is obviously a term that maybe some would be more familiar with in you know, like church land, but you know, maybe people outside of that a bit more, I guess the way we describe it is just like having good fraternity with other men, having good fellowship, having good, yeah. you know, good deep friendships that are men that, you know, have your back. And what, what are, what are some qualities of other men and, and kind of brotherhood, maybe things that you saw at the time in Knights immaculate or things since then? Why is that important to you? I think um, it kind of reminded me of the Hard Times Great Strong
1: Men book. Uh we love oh we love it's
0: that because book because it,
1: it's good shit. The, yeah. If you're a guy, I recommend reading it. Women give it to your men. That's that's generally how I say it. You will be offended if you read it. Um <laughs> if you're a woman. You you will. You just yeah. it's not for you. It's for the it's for the men, you know. And um a lot of ways it talked about how men are required to be honest because it would threaten the safety of the tribe if he was dishonest. And I think too, it's like you're required to be loyal to each other in a lot of ways, cause again, it would threaten your, your tribe's survival essentially. And so in a lot of ways, mm. we kind of lost a lot of these elements because times have been so good And especially in the U S it's like, it's, it's so good that weakness just seeps in cause you can. Cause you can afford to have the slack or so you, or so you think. And when it gets too comfy though, it brings on weak men and the weak men bring on hard times again. And the hard times bring back the good men. And so I think a lot of ways it correlated to, it correlated back to the nights in the sense of the, what we were working on at the time, even though we didn't really know it was like, developing lifelong friendships with each other and forming those right. bonds at a much younger age. Cause it's like, let me tell you, like me and John could go a year without talking to each other. And then when we talk to each other again, we understand each other perfectly. There's no like, Oh right. man, like, is he going to feel bad that I didn't reach out to him or like with other friendships that that's how I feel. Like if I haven't talked to them in a while, um, like, eh, it's like, yes. it's like taken personally that you didn't reach out, but they didn't reach out either. That's the whole funny part. It's like, mm. neither of us did. And so, what? Everyone's living their own life. It's not like uh, you should take it personally, but that tension always seems to show up. Mm. Does that make sense? It's so relatable. It, yeah, yeah, yeah so, it really is. <laughs> so, with John, though, because of that, like, we didn't talk for a year, I want to say, when you were in Colorado. Um, yeah. yeah, we, we, it was probably a year, but, I just remember when he got back, it was like, I could talk to him as if not a day had gone by and I was like, man, I don't have that anywhere else, yeah. anywhere else. I like, so true. seriously, I, I didn't feel bad about mm-hmm. not talking and I didn't feel like ashamed for not talking and you, you weren't like shaming me like, oh bro, why didn't you like talk right. to me? It's just like,
0: you just, it's a perfect, I don't know how else to describe it, you there's this, there's this level of of understanding where, I mean, part of it's just like you, you have such similar foundations growing up, similar experiences, and a lot of life experiences together growing up. But then it's, I don't know, that's part of what I've realized goes into those types of friendships. But yeah, some of it too is just like, it wasn't like Danny was friends with me because I did certain things that it made his life better, or or even like that's a little vague, a better way to put it would be like, if I, if, if Danny's getting something out of me as a friend, like he only is friends with me because I, you know, supply him with Cheetos. Yeah. That's obviously a shallow example. We could apply this to anything. It's like the moment that all of a sudden, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't sell Cheetos anymore. and All of a sudden the friendship dissolved because it was just our common interest of Cheetos. And like what I could do for Danny, what he could do for me, like buying from me. And, it, there wasn't any of that. It was just like, it was, we were friends for the, for the sake of each other not, there wasn't any one thing that's like, oh, sorry, we, we don't have that in common anymore. Like yeah. we're not friends. It's just like, it's hard to describe. Yeah. But that's kind of a, maybe a little bit of how I've thought about it. It
1: reminded me of, um, that book you gave me and Rachel, the men, women and the mystery of love. Oh I yeah. think Edward Street book. Yeah. I think he breaks it down. Like phenomenal. like, the experience at least between two guys, it's different, obviously. But yeah. um, that, that regard, I it was like, I think it tied perfectly. Cause it's like, I got out of college and I started working and I realized when I started working, I didn't relate as much with, um, oh, I was in a uh, SPO at the time, uh, St. Paul's outreach. They do outreach to college students and the, um, what was I going to say? It's hard to relate with college students when you're just working. Um, when you're not in school. Yeah. It's like, they're like, oh, let's hang out and let's do all this stuff. I'm like, bro, I got work. I got to stay up late. I got to be up and go to work and make money. You yeah. know, got bills and, um, you know, love the college days. Well, not as much, but <laughs> not the actual school part. <laughs> not the school part. Um, and I remember I, at the time, too, had. Started dating my now wife. And I was working for uh, Ziggler Cat as a heavy technician shop helper. So I would help them with big engines and that type of stuff. But anyways, they required uh, hearing protection at the shop. And so I put on these big headphones and I would put Bluetooth buds in. And I would listen to audiobooks all day. This is where the story gets really good. Because I was like, dude, I can... I can I can listen. Well, I was like they're going to pay me to learn. And I and when I say learn, I learned more in 1 year there than I've ever in my entire life simply by listening to audiobooks. And jeez, I had um I had started getting to get into doing photography and video after well, during college, but after college yeah. and I YouTubers became a really big thing. It was like, wow, like uh, Peter McKinnon was like the main influence, you know. But it was like they would travel, do all these cool videos. It did look like the coolest thing because they make it look cool. <laughs> um, talented
0: and, cinematographers.
1: Yeah. And so I was like, man, I should like I should learn and tap into that. And so I had started the process of learning that. But those books that I was reading, I I think one sort of born the the vision for needing strong men again came out of that. And that hard times, great strong Men book really hit the nail on the coffin. I think they say, um, indeed they do. Cause it was like, wow, like society's collapsing around us. And I, I have to say 2020 was probably one of the biggest awakenings ever that I've ever seen of like realizing just how fragile everything is. And now that I have a wife, I got a baby. It's like, Uh, me by myself is not actually like that good of a like um, safety net. (laughs) Like, you know, I aspire to be a great provider, protector, lover. It's like, but the reality is like just one guy by himself is pretty easily capped. I mean, they could hit you with a drone at this point if they wanted to just say it was a gas leak and no one would, you know. What they do no, in the movies. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is this is terrible. And yeah. so the kind of the realization I came to was the only way to reverse it is to be you have to become the counterculture in the sense of one we we need other strong men. It's not just like me. It's like we we need lots of them. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like the women were like upset with the quality of men. That was the thing I was hearing. Men are so weak and men are unmarriageable and whatnot. And, you know, I, I I saw also that a lot of the women are unmarriageable as well. I was like... Yeah. Real facts. And like you can't question it very well without getting people triggered. It's like... like <laughs> Right. If, like if so women obvious, are just like, men, we like, want
0: you to be better. Like, be more manly. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. you're like, man, the women, they just... They need to grow up. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> "How dare you?" <laughs> yeah, it's like essentially,
1: essentially, what I was seeing was the women were taking on all of the masculine energy, and mm. it's it's not good, and it's not good because. What do you mean
0: by masculine energy? As in, like in that the, example, they have to provide, they have to protect. <laughs> yeah,
1: and like you see women in the workforce, you know, and they're they're out there protesting to work, you know, and it's like, I mean go Ahead and protest to work, you already can, but I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but essentially, it was like the the I think the feminist movement did so much damage that they maybe didn't intend, but although I, I think a lot of things are actually intentional weapons against society to collapse them, and so you know, that, that's for another
0: time, but yeah, that's a, that's another uh juice that's another box. juice
1: box. But essentially, it was like, all right, so the men. We're struggling very clearly in the West. It's We're stuck in porn. We're stuck in video games. We have zero ambition. We call people greedy for being ambitious, which makes no sense because you can't afford to live currently. So how is that greedy if you're just trying to pay your bills? And then um, I just saw it was shamed. We want these strong men, but the men were attacked. And so it's like people are like, why don't we have any great leaders anymore? I just look at the last elections. I mean, they they completely destroy anyone that that would be a strong man. It's too offensive now. And so it's like, well, how do we blame all the men for our problems when (laughs) they're attacked for being a strong man? And so it's like it's not necessarily easy to take on that burden, but I think it's necessary at this point to survive. It's like, well, if you don't see the leadership that you desire, you have to become it. And it's hard Mm. because it's like, I'm Mm. not that yet, (laughs) you know? And, but that's the thing is you don't start like that. You know, you, it's, it's developed. It's like, you know, the mentality of like, oh, people are born with discipline or these other traits, that are not traits at all they're 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 formed and everyone can form them and i think that's the biggest lie that i see is like we just think some people are disciplined hmm. dude like it's developed you have to develop it it's like wow. guys that have lots of muscle i mean some use freuds, but it's developed it's not you know and then you see guys that are super overweight it's developed it's <laughs> like they're like oh but that's a great point but, people have eating disorders. Clearly, it's disordered. <laughs> Clearly, their eating is disordered. Just because something is disordered doesn't mean you you have zero control yeah. over it. And so it was like, you know, like um, when I was younger, I struggled a lot with pornography. You know, I could just be like, oh, I was born a loser who views porn,
0: you know? Take the whole, you know, But it victim. was
1: developed. It's like, and it can be... <laughs> And changed, And so I think that's that's something that I was seeing a lot was a lot of these things in general, we were convinced that you're either bored with it or you weren't. Some people were born rich, some people are born poor. You know, yeah, people are born rich and people are born poor. But if you look at the stats, that doesn't determine the outcome. It's like 99% of the people that are rich started from being poor. You know, and it's like, and actually it's like considered a, are we going past our time? It's it's like considered um a a negative actually to be born into great wealth because it's generally a lot of um softness comes with it. Everything's taken care of. You never worried about where your next food was coming from and whatnot. And that softness and that mm-hmm. weakness essentially you lose it all. You you learn to spend and you don't learn to produce. And it's 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 just a result of it. And so it was like, man, like we really we really do need strong men though. And um, you know, I'm not I'm not there yet, but I was like, I'm sure as heck I'm gonna be working on it. It's like, you know, it's kinda like yeah it's like laughable, you know, at first when you're like, oh like I wanna be strong, I wanna be a good provider, I wanna make lots of money, I wanna do all these things and it's like, oh well then why aren't you there? You know, it's like, well, anything that is good or worth doing generally takes time to Develop. It's not like, uh, yeah, you know, now if I'm 40 and I'm still at the same spot, now you got something to tell me because you know, <laughs> 15 years have passed. So, so, you know, in that regard, I want to act like it's not, but essentially it was like, I think the best way to narrow it down was it, it came down to ownership of you have to own everything. And uh, Andy Frisella, I think, really did a good job explaining this, like, where. Or maybe it was Grant Cardone. I don't know. They both. I'm sure they both things. have said it. I, I think it was Grant with this example. But yeah. he was like, when you go in the bathroom and there's toilet paper on the floor, you know, you just pass by it. But he's like, but if you if you take ownership and like whatnot, you have to take control of the situation, which is, I don't know, pick it up and throw it away. Uh, Andy Frisella was, his thing was with the cars that he drives. Mm-hmm. He's like, he cleans them every day. And he's like, I believe it's in everything you have to do, you know, and that's how you, it, it's like when you see someone who's very wealthy, they work a lot and they're like, why do they work so much? They have so much money. They don't need to work. Well, it's the working a lot that got them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's one, one of the factors. And then you see people that are like super lazy with video games and weed and whatever, and yeah. they're not, and they're not rich. It's like, well, are we really surprised that, you know, these behaviors are, not and so are linked (laughs) yeah and I just it's like I saw like hard work was attacked as like you don't care about your family or these other things that just were like they're they're necessary it's like we've gotten so soft where we just view everything as like you can just like not do it (laughs) even if it means that you know your family loses the house it's like oh well at least dad was home
0: (laughs) And we got to be with the kids. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it just, it was like, and that's the thing. It's not that the dads shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be present ever with his kids. Because that's the thing is a lot of guys, when they're home, they're not even present. So they're drinking beer, watching TV. Right. Or games. They're just doing their thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not actually connecting with people. And so
1: I just, I think just seeing a lot of that, it was like, wow, like, life isn't as, you know, forgiving as I thought it would be. And then it, as well as seeing the problems in our country and the complete collapse of uh government, it was like, oh, we are so screwed if we don't like if we don't start reversing the trend. And I think a lot of it too came to where like it's not complicated. It's if all the people in your country are great, your country's great. If all the people in your country are trash. Your country's trash, and so the way to reverse Whoa. it is, it. You know, we're all looking for that savior. You know, we're like, oh, who's gonna save the country,
0: dude? right. Like the government's just gonna. It's like be the person that fixes everything for you. Yeah, it's it's now like one politician you elect in. Yeah, is it's like change it all. It, it, make it, your it, life great. It's like if.
1: Yeah, let's say we had some great politician come in and start changing things, which is great. You know, I, I think that's good. If you're still a fat piece of crap, you're still a fat piece of crap. <laughs> Dude. You know, if you're lazy, if you're all these other things, it's like, what changed? Nothing changed. It's like you're you're your, your, your mm-hmm. regard. And so I think, you know, because I'm like, there is merit to the critique that has been earned by men being weak and lazy in those regards. I also think a lot of those things are intentional weapons to weaken the men of a society, to collapse it. Because ultimately, bombing a country, you destroy the country. And so Mm. that seems like a pretty poor way to infiltrate someone. And so what you do is you subvert the culture and you weaken the men, essentially. And that's what they're doing. That's through pornography, through video games, and through these things, and, and killing any motivation, any purpose, or any desire to do something great. It's, you know... And so I think ultimately, too, it spreads like a cancer because it's like, you know, people who quit on their dreams and their things, they're they are those haters, man. Like the negative people are the haters. Like they're I want to quit. Bro, I got, I, I posted a comment and this bot, it's clearly a bot, it's got one follower and follows one person, no picture, no nothing. But it's essentially, he sends me a DM where he's like, he's like, you're you weak. He's explicitive. He's like, if reply to my comment again, I'll put a 20K hit out on your head or something like that with your Jeez. IP address. And I was just like, man, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it was like, "One." I laughed because I was like, one, I already know, bro, you don't got 20K. You get, if you did, you would be shown it through your, your profile, but you're not. <laughs> you don't even have a profile picture, so I can't tell if you're weak or not, you know. But also, why would you put a 20k hit out on a dad with a kid, no, like a wife, because he disagreed with you? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe. I mean, but uh, stranger
0: things have happened. But but essentially is probably like, very unlikely. I have an idea. Statistically, like you,
1: I was like the, the people that gave up on their dreams and whatnot, and they're just trying to yeah. like make their reality your reality as well. And I hate to break to you, I want nothing to do with that reality. You know, I want my daughter to look up to me as someone who's someone worthy of looking up to. And you know, it's like I don't I don't wanna die and people are like, Wow. You know, he was he was great company, but he didn't do anything with his life. He didn't you know, and I, I don't know how much it matters, you know, then you're gone, but I just I could say is like, you know, you do matter and you're worth fighting for. And, you know, you don't start out great. And I think people admire it more when you start out at a crappy place, you know, and I was like, (laughs) I, you know, I gaming, and porn, and no responsibility. And I think, you know, it's the cross ultimately of, you know, what's the solution? Pick up your cross and bear it and walk up the hill. It's like, why you die up there? Exactly. It's like it's, it's, the salvation comes from that. And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm Catholic. So, you know, I'm always going to lean into it. But
0: mm. come on.
1: But I, I really think that, man, it hits it. It's like, and you suffer either way. You know, I think, I think you had shared this quote actually. It was like, either, either way you suffer, it's like you're, You're miserable one way, but the other way it's like you choose intentionally to suffer rather than just being stuck in suffering. One of them is
0: like suffer because you choose discipline, a life of discipline and purpose. And so there's suffering in that or suffer because long-term you amount to nothing. Yeah. And you become a nobody and you stay a nobody, which... Essentially, by nobody, I mean like you you didn't go after anything great. You didn't achieve anything that you're proud of. No one looks at you as somebody admirable that changed their life and inspired them to be better. Yeah. You just kind of numbed yourself. To the pain. A, a, yeah, to the pain, which ended up causing more pain, pain. More pain, but also just different pain. So it's kind of like look at your life and choose the pain that you want. Yeah, choose the road that you want to follow, and this is kind of my final thoughts here to kind of conclude with yeah. us. Is, I like to talk. <laughs> no, I love it, dude. We got you. We got some good, some good thoughts here, and and just to kind of bring it home, it's like choose the path that you want to walk. I think we have to take ownership either way. Um, one of them we're we're taking ownership with purpose with integrity, with, you know, some kind of moral value. We obviously like, we do that so that we can have a, a more rich life, mm. a more, um, but also like to be able to serve others. And through that, actually like experience giving something to someone like, um, you know, bring an extra energy drink with you somewhere and give it to your bud. But like you packed it because you thought of him and you wanted to give it to him.
1: Yeah.
0: And then give it to him and watch him light up and be excited that you gave him something you thought of him. You know, maybe they don't like energy drinks. Maybe think of something better for them. But yeah. if, you know, in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. And and watch like watch how life changes when um or I guess my thought with that was when you give how much are you how much joy are you getting back? How much fullness are you getting from like as you give it just reciprocates back and it's that friendship just gets better both ways and that's one that's one path we can choose and the other is one of just you know the suffering and pain of that comes through loneliness that comes through depression comes through like being a slave to our passions are which essentially just means like
1: you feel hopeless too.
0: Yeah. You know, the things that we want, like eating and pornography and anything that can be kind of compulsive and, and we're just, we're a victim to it. It rules over us because we don't have the self-discipline, the self-leadership no. to say otherwise.
1: You like leads to that despair too where you're like, oh, I'll never, I'm on tomorrow, I'll
0: never be out of
1: this. I think that's like a sad place to be.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the darkest of it. I've yeah. I've I've been there. That's
1: yeah. That's the depth of, of depression <laughs> yeah. Is, I think it will of it.
0: never be different. Yeah. So you can't visualize it ever being better. And in my message to anybody who's been there or has a friend or family member who's there, or if you're listening and, and you relate to that, my encouragement and my my call is that one, you have to live in the truth. So call it what it is. Don't bullshit it. You're choosing to own and live there. Maybe initially it wasn't your fault to get there. But it's your choice what step you take next. And that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. It's your Don't, choice to stay there. Or it's your, yeah, it's your choice to stay there. It's your choice to to move. And what um, the pains only actually just are worth it in the long run. Whereas the pains of staying there aren't worth it in the long yeah. run. So... <laughs> um, but... Stay hungry guys and, you know, stay fighters and lovers. And I'm reading my whiteboard right now because Danny (laughs) wrote a bunch of stuff on it. And he's (laughs) a a scotch library and a a scotch Scotch collection of (laughs) delicious (laughs) liquors, liqueurs. And, um, yeah, I just, if this episode touched you, um, if it it was impactful, if, if the message you think you know somebody for our listeners that you think this would be helpful for them to hear, we just—I just want to ask, invite you to to share it with them. You know, just a quick swipe of the thumb and sending a quick text message. Copy that link. I know that's made the difference for me sometimes when a friend sends me that, just what I needed to hear. Um, so if you know someone who's there, we just invite you to share that. Um, but Danny, thanks for coming on, man. It's really having it's me. It's such a joy. It was a good time. Like if there's any so. place where you can, we can just come and talk like it's on a podcast where we're
1: talking that's the point of it good I'm glad too it's recorded for. It's just like I could go back and listen to it I'm I'm most excited about re-listening to it (laughs) oh yeah it's so good help clarify your own thoughts
0: yeah absolutely man so well we'll we'll have them back and um, for for everybody back home you've been listening to the Dangerous Man podcast we drop episodes every Monday Wednesday Friday and join us next time Until then, stay dangerous.